Billy Carson is my guest today, and I am so delighted to have him back on the show. You know, when we first, uh, I should say, when we last met up, we discussed the possible connection between ET contact and synesthesia, which was a fantastic chat. And I certainly encourage you to go have a listen to that episode if you haven't already. But today we're going to be discussing a subject that Billy has been researching at great length, and that has to do with the fractal holographic nature of the universe. This is also the topic he'll be presenting at the upcoming Conscious Life Expo next February in Los Angeles. And Billy has agreed to give us a little taste of what his presentation will be all about. So, Billy, welcome once again to Higher Journeys. Delighted to have you back. Thank you so much, Alexis. I'm really happy to be back on your show. Oh, it's always great. And I really enjoyed our chat last time. And we, as you know, we, we've spoken offline uh, a good bit. And we can go on forever. So many yeah. neat things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I know. So much. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, and I want to speak to the audience. I know you all are very astute when it comes to understanding the things that we discuss here at Higher Journeys, including the metaphysical and quantum implications to our reality. I mean, after all, this is exciting stuff. So really digging into how our universe may in fact work uh, is a great thing. But for those who may not be familiar with the term fractal or its definition, Billy, can you give us a rough idea? And then uh, after you go into that, I'd like to go into how the fractal relates to our universe from a holographic perspective. Mm -hmm. So what is a fractal? Okay. A fractal is a, it's a, and the actual definition is a curve or a geometric figure, which is basically part of a statistical character. In other words, it's it's um it's part it, it's a self-simulating self-symmetry uh, smaller piece of a whole. So if you look at uh, a mountain, uh, it looks like a gigantic mountain. But when you go to the very smallest speck of that mountain, you can find the entire mountain in that speck. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it is. It's uh, similar patterns that are recurring progressively at smaller scales, and basically that describe partly random or chaotic phenomena such as crystal growth, fluid turbulence. Mm-hmm. And also, they're responsible for galaxy formation. Okay, I get that, and I can already see by the way you've described it that it has holographic implications. And we are gonna we're gonna get into that. Let's yeah. get into that right now. Actually, many mm-hmm. many are definitely familiar with the holographic model of the universe. I know in yeah. our audience, particularly, uh, obviously made popular by Michael Talbot and David Bohm and others. Mm-hmm. But you've sort of married this idea of fractal to the holographic model. Let me ask you, Billy, how do they differ, if at all, fractal, holographic versus holographic? Is there a difference or no? Well, it's not that there's a difference. It's that there's another aspect of the holographic universe that wasn't considered or hadn't been brought into play until just recently. And fortunately, I've been able to just put some of the pieces together myself uh, as I started delving into fractals and the Mandelbrot set. Uh, and, and really seeing how they uh, correlate it directly with the hologram itself and how holograms work. Mm-hmm. You could take a hologram, which is, a, you know, obviously um, a, a lattice of light, and if you have a hologram of, let's say, a building, and you take one tiny speck out of that particular hologram and look at it, you're going to see the entire building in that tiny, small speck. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing you're going to lose is some resolution. So right. that thought that thought triggered me into thinking this is very similar to fractal fractalization. So I started looking into fractals and seeing how the how patterns work and how the the uh, the actual mathematics for it works, and it merges perfectly with the the holographic universe theory, and it really gives the underlying structure for the uh, the light lattice or the the, the matrix lattice to flow uh, throughout the third dimension and give us the, the illusion of what we see. Mm-hmm. 
This is definitely holographic and and the implications. I wanted to get into that because we know that there's several unique features, uh, particularly the interference of light allowing patterns to be created. But I have always found very intriguing the feature of the whole being contained in the part, although the smaller the part, the fuzzier it gets. That, to me, is really what... uh, is is elegant and exciting about that that whole thing. So very yeah. very astute of you to make that that parallel. That's uh, that's quite Thank interesting. You. Well, let's talk about we're gonna we're gonna kind of race through this a little bit because a if, if folks mm-hmm. can't tell you may have heard the ambulance in the background. Billy has been kind enough to pull over. He's was in traffic, <laughs> so he's in his car. But so far we're doing okay. Let's hope no more ambulances go by or fire engines. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the simulated model of reality for a minute. I love this as mm-hmm. well. I mean, we know this idea is now being proffered by physicists, including uh, Lisa Randall out of Harvard, and of course, James Gates at University of Maryland. And even futurist even, uh, Elon Musk uh, has gotten behind this idea of the universe as a simulation. But Billy, how would a fractal holographic universe make sense if we're living in a simulation, in your estimation? Well. Well, when you look at what the programmers and developers are doing right now with software and video games, there's a video game called No Man's Sky. This video game fits on a regular uh, DVD that goes into a game console. But on this game, on this DVD, there's uh, uh, over 800 billion planets. It's an entire universe created on fractal, one fractal set of uh, software code. Uh, so what happens is just like in our reality here in the third dimension, this this software allows uh, the next screen or the next level to appear when the player in the game needs it, the next planet to appear when it needs it, the next animal, the next scene in a, in a forest on a planet that's 10 trillion light years away. It's all created on the fly, just like we have here in our reality. What scientists found out is that uh, the nature of our reality is an illusion, meaning that everything exists as an electromagnetic wave. Mm-hmm. One thing, the only thing that really truly is here are wave patterns, and these waves are collapsed yes. into digital bits of information by our consciousness. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, so what it really means is, is that it doesn't mean when we say hologram that it means we're not real. We are truly real, but we're part of a collective consciousness, and the consciousness is the collapsing wave function that allows us to take uh, the, the, what, what our electromagnetic waves which are very different rate waves of light, basically, and collapse them into something that we can say is a car, a street, a house, a building, a book, whatever the case may be. And what happens is the, the human brain, which is totally encased in darkness, doesn't have any idea what's going on out there, and it sends its five friends out, you know, sight, hearing, touch, smelling, all of our senses, and it says to its friends, look, go out there, guys, and collect some data. So your, our senses go out, and they collect data, they themselves don't even know what they are collecting. They're just collecting wave patterns of information, and they bring it back. They convert it into digital bits, and they bring it back to the brain. The brain then takes that information and projects a hologram as to what it believes is going on on the outside, and then we navigate through this third dimension based on that hologram. You know, so wow. it's really an amazing thing. It's, it's an amazing really, process. I mean, really, mm. Yeah, exactly. And what's, what's so incredible about it is all of the ancients were right. If you look at the, you know, they all start talking about an afterlife and that, and that um, they were living in a created universe. Well, they're absolutely correct. We are living in a created universe. The only difference is it wasn't a sky daddy with a magic wand that just waved it and this happened. It, we're living in a, a very, very sophisticated software program uh, that's running on some type of a supercomputer or, or 
we could be living inside of a cell amongst many other cells, which could be a multiverse inside of a mm. sentient being or entity of some type. Those are the two different, you know, looks that we have. Right. Uh, but at the, at the smallest level on the, on the subatomic scale, everything in this realm is made up of light. When you take it down to the smallest attribute, whether you get down be, below, below atoms, you get the quarks, even that quark, the quarks, when you combine, when you smash quarks together, what do you get? You get light. We're only living in a light matrix. Mm -hmm. And so it is a creation, but the method of the creation is a matrix of light, which is fundamentally based off of fractals, which allows this pattern to continue and create itself at will, ongoing, uh, based off of how consciousness flows. Wow. Love it. I'm following you. Are you following? Are you following <laughs> how your journeys audience out there? I am. I think this makes perfect sense. Okay, I'm going to segue into this real quick. Uh, okay. There are many different ways of expressing what's going on. And I think whenever we're talking about the holographic model in its various forms, it makes me think of the philosopher and poet William Blake, who wrote okay. a poem, actually, it's called Auguries of Innocence. I want to read a couple of things and ask you a couple of questions about it. This is what came to mind as I was uh, learning a little bit more about the work you're doing in this. This is expressed in poetic form. He says, we are led, uh, oh, actually, I'm, re I'm getting ahead of myself. There's another part to this poem. Let me go to the beginning first. He says, to okay. see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. This part of the poem has always stuck with me. The universe, in other words, is in a grain of sand. Do you think Blake understood this idea of fractals and the holographic nature of reality just in that little piece? Do you know what I'm saying yes. there? Absolutely. There, it's there. But what he's referencing is what Thoth talks about when I wrote about in my book, The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, where I go deeply and extensively into As Above, So Below, which was first... Um, put out by Thoth the Atlantean uh, in 36,000 years ago. That's where it really first showed up on the scene, as above, so below. And what we're talking about is so in the, in the microcosm, so in the macrocosm, and we're talking about, you can see, uh, you know, you can see an exploding star in the cell division. You can zoom out from the universe, and it looks like the neurons in a human brain. Uh, you know, you can see a nebula and look at, that's a, the, the, you know, the iris of a human eye. Uh, you know, so that's what we're talking about, the world in a grain of sand. It's as above, so below. And that's all based off of fractal mathematics. Amazing. So whether it's explained mathematically or poetically, it's still fundamentally mm -hmm. the same expression. Let me read another part. I almost, I goofed. I was going to read this first, but this is the other part. <laughs> I think this is going to make a lot of sense. So this part of the same poem, uh, poem Auguries of Innocence, toward the end, he says, we are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears and God is light. Oh, that's powerful stuff right there. Wow. I got to get this. This is incredible stuff. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I mean, always one of yeah, my favorite I mean, poems because I mean, he's <laughs> saying the same thing. We're talking about light. Being, God is light. Light God is, is light, all. and he's talking about my eye, the eye, the single eye. He's talking about what's talked about in the Bible, in the Mahabharata, in the, in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Uh, I mean, I just keep going on and on and on. We're talking about taking the journey to inner space mm. between, in, you know, going to the temple. The temple is between your eyes. Uh, that's where your temple is located. Not a building out here on the streets that people go to. What he's saying in this, that, that beautiful piece of poetry is, so long as you seek, 
salvation externally, you will never find it. Mm-hmm. You have to take a journey to inner space, and there you will find the light. The light is already in you. The power of creation, the source energy, the creator of all energy runs in you, through you, and out of you. Uh, and your spiritual antenna is your third eye, which is the pineal gland inside the human brain. Tap into that and tap into a higher source of consciousness. You know, basically what he's saying. It's incredible. Isn't it? It's a fantastic yeah. poem, and it's a lot longer. But I, as I perused it, I haven't looked at it for years. It's always been the grain of sand reference it's, that I have used throughout mm-hmm. my work. But uh, as you move through the poem, you see, I think he really is expressing the internal infinitude mm-hmm. of, of, of man. But uh, yeah. Well, let, we're going to switch out. We're going to cover. It, it is incredible. It really is. Let's let's switch out because we're going to just go through a bunch of different things. And I, I want to encourage everyone get your you know what to the Conscious Life Expo in February because <laughs> we won't be. He will not be going through. Billy won't be going through it this quickly. He will be going into intricate detail about all these things that fantastic things that we're talking about including quantum entanglement. Now, this is where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I got to get him to comment on this. Let's yeah. talk about quantum entanglement, prayer, and why it's important to pray in the right frequency. And of course, oh, yeah. it's all related. But what you have to say about this is super intriguing. Can we talk about that for a bit? Join us for the 17th Annual Conscious Life Expo, February 22nd through the 25th in Los Angeles. This is the largest consciousness event of its kind, with 200 exhibitors and over 150 lectures, workshops, and special events. Hear from leading speakers and teachers, including Marianne Williamson, David Wilcock, Anita Morjani, Nassim Harriman, Eric Von Daniken, Linda Moulton Howe, and Deborah King. Visit ConsciousLifeExpo.com to secure your place for the transformational event of the year. Absolutely, definitely. Um, quantum entanglement is where you take two particles of matter and you use a laser. It's one, this is just one method you can use if you want to do a standard laboratory experiment. You can use the laser to do something called parabolic down conversion, where you actually get both of these particles on, this, on a specific frequency that are in harmonic resonance with each other. Once this is done, you can take one of those particles, and if you had the capability to travel to the other end of the universe... Whatever you put in one particle that's still by you, whatever in data, you can put data in it, you can change information on, the, on that particle, the other particle will respond instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that's been replicated in scientific laboratories all around the world many, many, many dozens of times. And now I think the record for entanglement uh, that they've set so far has been a molecule. And I, th- I believe it's been four miles. So this is something that's going on right now at major universities and science labs. So it's not fantasy, guys, whoever's listening to this. This is real stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, Einstein postulated this way back in, in, in the 30s, I believe it was. So now what we have here, so we have quantum entanglement. But what I did was when I started researching quantum physics and quantum mechanics, I was studying with, at Khan University, which is an online quantum mechanics and quantum physics university uh, that I've you know attended for years. Uh, I started saying, wow, this is really interesting because now I'm seeing how the cells in our brain and, and the, the particles in our brain are set to specific, are vibrating at specific frequencies. And I'm wondering if consciousness can connect to those frequencies. So as I started delving into more metaphysical content, I realized a correlation between quantum entanglement and the capability of the human mind to also quantum entangle with other particles out there in the universe. And I found some studies on this that verified my my theory Mm -hmm. by real peer-reviewed science so i said wow this is incredible now i understand how prayer is working because when i looked at a segment that um greg Braden did 
uh, with a, uh, a woman that had a, a tumor inside of her uterus, I'm not, inside of her uh, bladder, a mm-hmm. bladder tumor. I'm familiar with that. And they put mm-hmm. it, right. They put it on ultrasound live on camera. And this was up in, I believe it was in China. Mm-hmm. And these Chinese scientists were, were using no medical tools whatsoever. They were doing nothing but chanting. And the chant was a prayer. And live within a few minutes, this tumor evaporates live on camera and the woman is healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Braden said to them, you know, what were you guys saying? They translated it loosely into it is done. Yeah. And that really hit it for me. That's when I realized that the way the, the way prayer and the way the mind can quantum entangle with the law of attraction and with the power of the conscious consciousness of the universe, if we pray the right way, which I'm going to go into in a second, we can actually affect change in our not only in our own bodies, but also in the realm around us, even our, even change our own reality tunnels. And and um, another confirmation I got about that was when I was started reading the Emerald Tablets, and Thoth was talking about using frequencies, vocal frequencies, out of your mouth to change your reality tunnel. I was just going to mention vocal and frequency. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. So uh, the you know, sound have to, has the capability of altering. So I was like, wow, this. How can we combine this? How can this combine to into prayer meditation or doesn't have a link. So I started researching that and I realized that we have right now uh, 7.5 billion people on the planet. 85% of the people on, uh, of the 7.5 billion are religious, meaning they believe in one religion or another. Out of that 7.5 billion, you have to imagine now that trillions of prayers are going up on a daily basis. Trillions, because some people pray three, four, five, ten times a day. You multiply that by billions of people, you have probably Googles of prayers going up on a daily basis. But yet and still, there's not much change occurring in the lives of the people that are praying as well as on the planet. Uh, so what is the problem here? What is the problem? Why aren't things changing with all these prayers going up to these deities? Well, I realize that we're praying in the wrong way. The, mo- the majority of us are praying from a position of weakness. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting now into, we're talking between quantum entanglement, and we're not, but we're not, right now we're talking about the frequency aspect of it, which is a vibration. So right now what happens is you have to come in with a high vibration to get the attention of consciousness because the law of attraction doesn't respond to low vibration. So when you're going from a position of, oh, please, God, help me, I can't pay my mortgage, or my son is sick, or I, I need help with this, or I, I need help with that, I don't know what's going to happen with this or that, and so forth and so on. That is a position of weakness, a position of begging, and a low vibration that the universe does not even register. It doesn't even comprehend. The universe is vibrating at, at, a, you know, at a high frequency when we're talking about law of attraction. When you come in from a position of power, and your mind and your meditation and your prayer now is that from a position of power, understanding that the, the consciousness and the life force energy is flowing in you, through you, and out of you, now your mind is in a different frequency. Your brain cells, the, the magnetite crystals in your brains are vibrating at a, a much higher frequency, and now they're quantum entangling with the with the uh, the, the one conscious, the one of all, the, the mass consciousness of the universe that really dictates everything that goes on and happens. And now the law of attraction can flow better to your favor because you're coming in from a position of power. And what I mean is, instead of saying oh, please help me, uh, you know, deity, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. You go in and say, all of my needs are met swiftly. My, this money that I need to take care of this debt is going to come to me from uh, different angles or different means. I'm going to be able to take care of this situation. This situation is going to end on a positive note. I'm going to be able to fulfill this, uh, you know, these types of things. And when I go on trips, 
I bless my path to where I'm going. I don't say, oh, please help me get there safely. I bless my path. I say, I will arrive safely at my destination. Mm-hmm. It's a different flip of mindset, you Absolutely. see? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're saying... And it doesn't mean that you're saying you're a god and you're in control of the universe. What it means is you're using the god force energy that's already built into your body. Agreed. And you're entangling it with the mass consciousness, the one of all that's out there. And now you're empowering yourself and using that, that high vibrational energy to create your own reality tunnel and wow. guide yourself through this matrix. I love it. I love and I agree with everything that you're saying. Now, the host doesn't have to agree with everything that the person you're interviewing (laughs) says. But on this note, make make note, I agree. And I want to add as a footnote to this. Thank you for that. That's I think that'll be very helpful Mm -hmm. for for the audience. But you can't escape, Billy, the role that feeling emotion Mm -hmm. emoting. I always say in motion Mm -hmm. plays in raising that frequency that and command Mm -hmm. And to your point, it's not about saying I am a God, but what you're doing is is agreeing to work with the God force because that force is within. So I do feel that emotion, when feeling is put into, I would dare say even in some cases when you're coming from a place of you're feeling a bit weak, but the emotion is so strong that in some cases it can even overcome that feeling of uh, the inability to do anything by yourself. The emotion is playing Mm -hmm. a role, don't you think? Yeah, it, it, it definitely emotions are very powerful because if you um, if you if you're in a sad place or depressed, uh, it's already been scientifically proven that uh, there's a frequency that's emitted by the body, the biofrequency. It actually creates what they call a cosine wave. Now, this cosine wave, because it's so wide and broad, uh, from you being sad or depressed, it touches much much less areas of the DNA as it passes through and out of the body. When you're in a happy mode or an excited mode, the cosine is extremely short waves. And those waves touch a lot more of the DNA as it exits the body. So, And when you realize that your DNA is also uh, capable of sending and receiving Wi-Fi signals, just mm-hmm. like the Wi-Fi of your cable modem at your house or your business, then you'll understand why that's important. Because now you're sending out a, a signal at a high frequency from being, uh, you know, being in a highly, highly emotional state, like for being excited or being happy. Uh, being positive versus if you're sad or depressed, the signal that's going out is uh, a very uh, low frequency signal. And that signal actually can interact with other low frequency signals and keep you in a depressed state, maybe even push you even deeper mm. because it's receiving frequencies that it can match, not free, not a high, not a higher frequency. And this is why people that go into depressions and so forth um, sometimes end up going very, very deep. They don't realize uh, that, the medicines and so forth that they're giving them continue to keep their frequencies lower and lower and lower. And they're only going to then pick up low frequencies from the universe itself, from, from the ether space time itself. And it's going to push them into deeper, deeper uh, depressions. Right. It's, I would imagine it's replicating the emotion. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, yeah, very, very, yeah. Like make, an echo. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a perfect analogy and echo more than mm-hmm. analogy really. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, you were mentioning magnetite crystal. This is another area that I find uh, fascinating. I mean, just working with the mineral kingdom energetically is is a massive study in and of itself, but and very interesting. But let's talk about magnetite crystals within our own cel- cellular structure and how they play mm-hmm. a vital role in this whole fractal holographic idea. And here's something that I find, you know, as and I have magnetite crystals, I own some. What I find so extraordinary, mm. Billy, about the magnetite, the form of a magnetite, 
it, what you'll see is it's uh, octahedral structure, which is as a mm -hmm. platonic solid is composed of what? Eight equilateral triangles. Yep. And I know this plays prominently in your discussing the fractal aspect of the pyramidal structure, mm -hmm. let's just say. So let's get into right. that because there's a lot of dot connecting we could do there. Let's talk yeah. about that for a few minutes. Absolutely. I mean, well, now we're talking about we have, uh, you know, we have um, magnetite crystals in our brain. We have mm -hmm. millions of them in our brain, actually, which unfortunately we've kind of, uh, a lot of us don't realize that it's there and we, we've been like disconnected from it, the awareness that they're there. Because to give you an example, when there's a, um, a tsunami coming inland, uh, the animals, the wild animals, uh, they're getting a signal to through these crystals that there's danger approaching, and they they don't die. They head up to the mountains or the hills. Mm -hmm. But the people and the and and pets they end up dying because they not they're not tapped into that system anymore. So we've been slightly disconnected from our magnetite crystals. To you know, in ancient times we were using them to navigate the planet, to find food, water, to get information directly from the source, the ether itself, and as well as communicate directly with the planet and maybe even with ourselves. Uh, uh, telepathically without having to even speak for hunt came in handy for hunting and things like that. When you're far away from somebody uh, trying to, you know, trying to uh, hunt and you don't have the capability of obviously using Bluetooth, <laughs> you've got to use different ways of communication. And I believe that this is what happened. I believe that now, even though we're homo sapiens, we're supposed to be, supposed to be more modern. I believe that we're actually less modern in terms of our spiritual connection and, and access to some of these capabilities that we all should be able to use right now. Uh, these crystals, are actually living beings inside mm -hmm. of our bodies. Uh, this is what is really intriguing because I'm actually doing a show for Gaia called Sentient Living Crystals. Hmm. And through the research that I've done now for the last eight months on this topic, I've gone really deep into it. I've now discovered that crystals are sentient living beings. Uh, and so we've got living entities inside of our sentient bodies that... Uh, that really are alive and, and communicate with each other and with the universe. And, you know, so they, and they have the capability of even creating their own realities uh, and, and outcomes and so forth. So when you realize that you have this kind of power in you, you've, it's a symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. where we've got now to understand that we're, they're a part of us and we're a part of them and we're supposed to be working together for outcomes, uh, you know, through consciousness. Um, but we've been disconnected from that, unfortunately, and we're not able to, you know, tap into that. Birds use it, turtles use it to come back to nest, you know, birds use it to roost and go travel south for the winter and so forth and so on. But we've been disconnected from it, but they are so powerful. And if we can just rediscover that, that feeling, that access to those magnetite crystals that are already in our bodies, we will realize how much more powerful we can be hmm. in terms of prayer, meditation, and just intuition, knowing what's going to come and right. how it's going to come and where it's going to come and just being more in tune with nature itself. That is powerful. The first thing that's coming to mind, Billy, is if now, obviously, there are many people that work with crystals metaphysically, the, obviously the external form. But I'm wondering when you work, let's say we were working with a magnetite crystal form, let's say a raw mm -hmm. form of magnetite in medit prayer yeah. or meditation. I would imagine that there's got to be some sort of an excitation or, you know, some sort of resonance that's occurring between the magnetite that you may be working at externally with the magnetite natural crystal structures, crystalline mm -hmm. structures in your brain, right? Yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, they're probably going to entangle and communicate with each other. 
Uh, and it's, it may even be possible that by using a much larger stone during the meditation or prayer process, you can amplify a weaker signal that may be coming out of your body through having an additional, you know, magnetite crystal with you when you're meditating and praying and so forth. Um, you know, great. and they're not that expensive. Right. Oh, no. You can get uh, especially yeah. the raw forms for little to nothing. Mm -hmm. I say yes. journeyers out there as well as Billy and I, let's all make an experiment out of that. Let's see what we can do there. I'd like to talk about that more because I think that's quite uh, I think the implications there could be quite large if done in a certain way. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. OK, maybe we'll come back to that. But I'm going to get one more in and then we're going to shut it down because I, I have already okay. hit my 30 minute mark. And this has been great. <laughs> you can only imagine how great this talk is going to be in February. Let's briefly touch on power nodes. Uh, this is what mm -hmm. you call power nodes. You say that they exist all over the planet and you say that they yeah. are fractal as well. But I'm curious, Billy, when you refer to power nodes, are you speaking of ley line structure? or is that different? Yeah, I'm talking about um, ley line structures, ley line, ley line patterns on the earth, the grid itself of the earth, where mag magnetic fields are emanating or these magnetic uh, resonance areas are ma emanating from the planet's surface or from underneath the oceans. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when you look at a global uh, view of where all of these magnetic fields and these these ley lines are located, it creates a fractal pattern right around the planet. <laughs> so, wow. wow. And we're talking about uh, tetrahedrons. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can connect the dots with them. I mean, they're everywhere. You can connect the dots and you can create a 64 grid tetrahedron, which is inside the flower of life. It's amazing. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing that that is also wrapped and directly built into the planet that we're on right now. And so the ley lines relate in that way in that they can create these tetrahedral uh, shapes, is what you're saying. Yeah, correct. If you create these tetrahedral oh. shapes, if you connect the dots of them around the planet, uh, and then when you analyze and look at some of the history of some of the locations of these ley lines, you discover all different types of ancient structures there, yes. pyramids, temples, and you go, why would these ancient people build on top of all these ancient spots? all over the world. Well, because there's energy centers there, they understand that there's power there, there's access to higher realms of consciousness, dimensions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, different aspects of time uh, dilation uh, in all these things, and maybe even a possibility that they can tap into uh, quantum entanglement through meditation and prayer better through those magnetic resonant locations, those, pin, those nodes around the Earth that are, again, based on a fractal pattern, which create a 64-grid tetrahedron, which is absolutely amazing. That is. That's another one yeah, that we inside, could... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll add, just one, I'll add just one last piece to that. Yeah. Inside the 64-grid tetrahedron, what's so powerful about it? Inside the 64-grid tetrahedron, you have something called the vector equilibrium. The vector equilibrium uh, is uh, a basic shape that allows you to tap into free, unlimited energy right from the ether of space-time. Shh, don't say that too loud. Someone, someone know, might right? be, someone might be listening. Shh. Let's keep that between yeah. us, huh? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I think there are a few people that knew that, know that, and well, let's just say the rest is history. <laughs> and it's not yeah. funny, actually. Yeah. It's a very serious thing, and I, I believe you absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, we are out of time. This is great. I think we did okay. fairly well considering we were on uh, the fast clock here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Let Yeah>. me... <laughs> it was great as always. Let me just say, folks, if you liked our discussion today, you will definitely want to think about heading to the upcoming Conscious Life Expo February 22nd through the 25th at the LAX Hilton in Los Angeles. And uh, I, of course, will be there to cover the expo once again this year. And Billy will be there with my, might I say, your brand new bride-to-be. Billy just got engaged. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, she, she, she should be there. If everything goes right with her company, her business um, in Ohio, oh. uh, then she should be there if everything is staffed properly. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, as am I. Looking forward to meeting her. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. one more thing. Did I hear a rumor that you may be throwing an after party at this conference? Is that true? Yes, I'm trying to throw an after party, <laughs> a Pantheon Elite after party. You know, I have the conscious uh, record label, and we did one last year. It went off very, very well. Oh. Uh, so I'm still gathering a few artists. Uh, a few artists, who unfortunately, were unavailable. So I'm still trying to get a few more artists to chime in here so we can have about three or four artists, uh, maybe Saturday night, you know, for about two hours, That'd two and a half great. hours max, and just jam out to some conscious music and enjoy it. I love it. I love yeah. it. And where can people find your conscious music? Your your the music that's on is it iTunes? You've got some stuff on iTunes oh, right yeah. now, right? Okay. Yeah, iTunes, Spotify, you know, Tidal Music, or Deezer, any music app you can, you have on mm-hmm. your phone, you're going to find music from Forbidden Knowledge, Donny Arcade, Cruz, Jackson Turner. Uh they're all under my label and we've um We've actually just had a song that went to, uh, I'm sorry, an album that just went to Billboard and was on Billboard for eight weeks. Oh, listen to you. Yep. Listen to Return you. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Keep it yep. going, man. Continued Thank blessings. You. And I know you, you've got many to come. People go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Am I right? For, number four. Yep. With, bidden, with the number four. Number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Of course, we'll have a link yep. associated with this interview. So you can learn more about this amazing man, the great work of Billy Carson. Billy, what can I say? Thank you, man. Thank you. Keep it coming. Appreciate I'm Anytime you want to come on, you know you're welcome. I enjoy having you always. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you real soon.